Hi, and welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. Today's episode, hey, did you get that email I sent you? I'm joined by the email fanatic himself, Matthew Stubblefield. Hey, Matthew. Ryan, checking your mail, reading your letters. Constantly. I can't keep it empty enough. And we're also joined by Adaptivist's own Eric LeMay. Eric, what's your role? I'm an Atlassian consultant. Ah, I still call them that up in Canada. Yeah, that's I know. What... They still call us that. <laughs> the professional. Up in the, frigid, up in the frigid wastelands of Canada. <laughs> How's the wall holding up up there? Not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> when I don't even watch that show. <laughs> So we're going to, we're here to talk about email today. We're going to talk a little bit about the pros and cons and where emails come from and where it's going. And the best way to start off a conversation about email is with a Thunderbolt round. Now, gentlemen, you don't have to expose your first email address if it was embarrassing. That's fine. But you need to talk for just a minute or under about your first email account. My first email address was Ryan Guitar. Because I thought that was really cool. Because I was like, that is, you know, that is the least embarrassing first email address I've ever heard. Really? Oh, well, that's a pretty sweet first email. Just Ryan Guitar. You should still have that. No, no. I because I'm more than just a guitar player. You know, I'm also a podcast host. Special <laughs> 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 um, podcast host. <laughs> uh, real life. And my first, the first email account I remember using heavily was uh through CompuServe. So mm. CompuServe, uh, an AOL like alike that you if you signed up for a specific length of CompuServe, you got a large gift certificate to Circuit City where I worked. I, I recall that you worked there at one time. Yeah, it's now defunct. But uh so you got this big gift certificate and if you have this gift certificate and the employee discount, you get a sweet three disc DVD player, which absolutely no one needs. So that was my, we needed it back then. We did. We actually, did anyone actually need a three disc changer in their DVDs? It's like, well, you never know when you need to change movies at the drop of a dime. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Foolish, foolish thinking of mine. Uh, So Eric, tell us about your first email address. Uh, Well, I I was actually in a household that got the internet relatively late in the cycle of where the internet comes from. So I think my very first email address was back in 1996 uh, when I started high school. Um, They actually gave us assigned email addresses to all the students that we could use. Uh, So my email address was essentially my name uh, and the name of my high school, uh, which I will not go over and discuss due to it being in French, uh, me being located in Montreal. Uh, it'll just take too long to try to explain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I am so not sharing my first email address. You two have perfectly legitimate first email addresses. I was, I was in middle school in the nineties and, uh, did not make good choices. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say it? But, and I'll just put it in as the spoiler uh, at the end. No, but, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but my, my first, our first internet was, uh, I live in the Ozarks in, uh, Springfield, Missouri, and we had the Ozarks regional information online network. I think is what it was called Orion. And, uh, over Orion, which was all text at the time, there, there wasn't any graphical internet. Uh, really. And so you, you used your dial-up modem, 
and connected into the service. And then, you know, you, you had a terminal and you would use Telnet. So I connected into a Pine uh, server for my email and it was just all over text. And then mostly it was just to email with some friends of mine, just a, a you know, another way of, of uh, communicate with each other other than calling the phone and asking their mom if you could talk to them because that's how it went. You know, it, and this is funny because this, you know, when we, when we were first getting started in these things, I had no idea that an email address could be disconnected from the service you were using. Cause I come from that compu, you know, like that big time compu serve. Like I thought, Oh, well, I'm just have this thing. You can't open an email in another application. How do you do that? So like the whole concept that, that blew my mind. But you know, as I learned more, I understand. And I totally went from, I went from Orion to prodigy to CompuServe to uh, hotmail I think university, which had uh, the random string of letters and numbers to Gmail. <laughs> and, ever since. And, and once you got on the inbox, you've never looked back. True story. That, that I find ends up being a commonality. Once you graduate to Gmail, you tend to just not go back. Um, I myself had a variety of different Hotmail addresses over the course of the years. Um, and then ended up actually signing up to an email address with my ISP locally. Hmm. which took me several years to actually think about why that was such a terrible idea. <laughs> and since then have been switching everything to Gmail progressively and am now exclusively using that. And what's funny is Hotmail's not bad. Uh, and, and like Microsoft Outlook Live is actually quite nice. I, I actually really like it other than their spam filter. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Gmail. Really? See, email used to have such a place in our day-to-day work operations, but that's really organizations. Well, true, true. I guess I'm just so used to working in our method where um, so much of the con- the the context about the work that we're doing lives in Jira. I'm used to that mm-hmm. now, and I treat my my G- my email box as a to-do list. It's like if I don't have to. A- have action on this or if I've read it and I internalize it, it's done. It's gone. There's no need to look at that anymore. And I can always search for it later. Um, so why would you say, and I think Matthew, you really, you really display this in our, in our team. Why is working with email for your team bad? I mean, in a sense, and I do want to walk this back slightly. It's not that working with email is bad. Uh, I think it's how you use it. And I like what you said, Ryan, of using it as a to-do list. I do the same thing. I like keeping my mailbox at zero and I, I take it as an action item list and I get the stuff done and I, I get rid of it. And then I get to see the happy sun in inbox.google.com. Um, that's just such a, it's always a relief for me when I look at that and it's just the blue sky and the sun. Um, I, the main thing with email and what makes it challenging is the, um, sort of the siloing and you get the splits you get when you send things out to a team and some people reply all and other people don't and attachments get sent here and there and you end up with different versions of them. There's no authoritative source. There's no way to keep everybody on the same page very easily. And then when you have to go back and audit it, it's just a nightmare. Uh, I don't know how many times um, when we're working with external vendors and things like that, and I'm going back and trying to find something from six months ago, some attachment or some image file or something like that. It is, it is just a massive pain in the ass. Email does not work for that. Well, Oh man, threaded emails too. When it starts indenting, ah, 
uh, visually it drives me up a wall. It's, it's very easy in our business where we're, we're talking with people over the course of six or seven or eight months because it's a very relational business. These email chains get absurd and it, uh, it just takes so much time. It's not a good method for communication in that respect. They go so far over to the right that they come back over on the left and they just keep going. And get, it's, it's like the Overton window of email. So how do we make the most out of how Jira and Confluence handle email? Well, I think really the best way to do that is to make sure that you keep the information all in one place, right? Jira is often sold as being the single source of truth where you keep all the information um, and just keep all the information there. And the only actual information you need at that point to get by email is a notification that something has changed. And that's really where the emails are really just critical just to let you know, hey, by the way, there's been an update here. You should go check it out. And there we get the full traceability of everything that's taken place on one particular topic and one particular item. And you're able to filter and sort through all of the content that's there to find out what you really need rather than having to search through an inbox and checking through things. You can't remember who sent what or when was it sent. And attachments are all there with the history of when they were added there. And so um, that's what I find email should really be used for is just very quick, simple facts or just simply a notification that something else has happened. Even better, you throw those notifications into a hip chat channel and you've cut that out even from your email. So you just have all your data in one spot and that everybody has access to. And so there's no confusion as to who has access to what did you get that email did i get that email no it's all in one place yeah i'm often not even using email for the the to-do list anymore um we do a lot of stuff through HipChat, and it's a, a good way to collaborate quickly and knock stuff out if it's going to take a bit longer i'll throw it on a trello board and use that to keep track of of my to-dos so that i can move them through some stages um, i do like inbox and, and we use google um, for business at adaptivist so occasionally I'll make reminders in there or I especially like being able to snooze an email to another day when I'm going to have time to get to it. But, you know, triaging it, processing it, throwing it into Trello or throwing it into Jira or throwing it into HipChat, uh, I think helps get us, helps us get stuff done a lot more quickly. And a well, a well-crafted notification scheme uh, will make everyone's life a little more pleasant. I have, I have been on site with clients whose first day their new employees are told to make a, make it a filter for Jira and and that's like, no, 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 (laughs) quit. So many places they'll actually teach you a very first thing to it. Like you mentioned, build a filter for all the, um, for all the Jira notifications but they won't show you how to disable the auto watch in your profile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, it's even worse. I feel with confluence and I have this happen sometimes on uh, Atlassian's sites where they've got confluence and I'll go in and, you know, contribute or comment or something. And then I get a hundred notifications from other people doing the same thing because I watched a page I didn't mean to watch. Uh, setting those profile things in both confluence and Jira for auto watch is really helpful tuning your notification scheme is really helpful. Um, and just understanding, you know, what, what does and does not send email. Like there's a, there's a little known, I don't know if it's a little known, Eric, I don't know if you've ever worked with the mail archive in confluence. Is that something you've done much with? 
not unfortunately or fortunately, yeah. according to what you might think. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a feature that like I was excited about in Confluence back in God, whenever I started in 2007 or so. Oh, the day. Yeah, it was like version two, I think. And um, it's just a you carbon copy or you send email to Confluence and it throws it into a space and threads it. I mean, it's it's sort of a, a bulletin board style, but it makes it part of your wiki and it makes it searchable, which is kind of cool. Um, but it, it hasn't really been updated or managed or done anything done with it by Atlassian since 2007. Like they launched this feature and they never touched it again. Um, but I always wondered if there was more that we could do with that or if there's ways that we could improve Jira and Confluence's email handling and, and notifications and things like that. Well, there are some tools that you that are out there for us to work with with uh, email through the Atlassian suite. I know, Matthew, that you've had quite a bit of experience with Jira Enterprise Mail Handler. Yeah, the uh, I think the official name is Enterprise Message Handler for Jira, but it's always abbreviated JEMH. And uh, I've I've spent months working with this add-on um, to do all kinds of stuff. Um, you can you can automate all kinds of things. You can you can have it handle incoming mail and set different custom fields differently and advance the workflow and kick off other processes. Um, but one of the things I really like is the ability to manage your outgoing email templates to make them look different uh, without having to modify the velocity files on the server. Uh, for any of the Jira admins out there, if you've ever looked into this, you can you can change what's included in these notifications, and that's sometimes really helpful, you know, information to have in your mailbox. Uh, and then every time you upgrade Jira, you got to make sure you copy those velocity files back, and it's kind of a pain. So with JEMH, you do it through the web interface, and uh, that's been really handy. Um, and we're starting to see more tools that provide similar functionality. Eric, what are some things that you like when clients request uh, email mo- modification? Well, uh, myself, I'm a huge fan, uh, no surprise, of ScriptRunner. And ScriptRunner has uh, amazing functions that you can use to just build out your own custom templates and send them out. And has access to uh, writing templates and getting data from your instance using Groovy and then feeding that directly inside from all within the template builder. Um, That's absolutely... I find it's great. You can use it with scripted listeners. You can use it in workflows. You can customize your content. You can get content from outside of Jira even and feed it into your template. Um, It really is, as long as you have access to it, as long as your Jira instance has access to it, you can go and feed it into your template. At that point, really, the sky's the limit as to what you can put in there. Um, And that is really great if you want your emails to go out your notifications to look fundamentally different you can have it so that they don't even look like they came from jira at all and uh no one will even know the difference that has to be a nice function for um companies that really want to make like a marketing you know it's it or customer service you know, yep. and that's those are the companies I've worked with where they're using Jira for customer service, and they want their outgoing emails to have like a nice masthead and to have their you know confidentiality statement that says we're going to protect your data and to have their logos. And also, what's really cool about doing it this way is you can include some custom information from the ticket. Uh, like one company I worked with, we we configured it so that there was a signature on the outgoing email that had the name of the person who entered the comment and had their title and had their phone number 
And we had set up Jira using Script Runner to pull this information from different places and put it into the email. And so from the customer's perspective, they've gotten a, like a, a nicely crafted, uh, personalized email. It's, it's not just a notification saying there's been a change, you know, and it's not this corporate template. It's, it's something that looked really nice and personalized. I read just uh, recently on the Atlassian blog about autoresponders, and uh, they did an experiment where they sent out 100 support emails as a test for their uh, for people's auto response, this is the team at Status Page. They done and they wanted to just see what a hundred different auto responders were like. And they did talk a little bit about how some were using custom templates. Some companies didn't have any auto responders at all. They had live people always. No, no, none of that, none of that. And then others didn't respond whatsoever. And that's sort of a, a bad um, precedent to set. So what do you guys think? What's your, what is your go-to strategy when dealing with responses? How would you ideally advise people to go about that? I mean, it's not, honestly, it's not something I've thought about a whole lot in terms of auto response other than as a customer. And I like getting a response that tells me, yes, we did get this. It didn't just go into the void. It's, you know, I, I, because for those of you, like I, I used to run email servers as well. And it is entirely possible for the server to go down and the email just goes into the ether and it's gone. Uh, and you'll never see it again. So getting something that says, yes, we received it. Here's your unique ticket number. If you want to follow up, here's how you can get in touch with us. Here's some information to help you out. We will be in touch within this amount of time. Like that makes, that really comforts me as a customer. It gives me confidence in their service. And um, I think setting up, uh, like in Jira, we do this through the, the through the workflow. Uh, when this comes in, trigger transition, post function, or a listener kicks off a response, and we use Scripture to send it. Um, I think it provides a lot of comfort and confidence uh, from the customer perspective. And, and to echo that a little bit, um, uh, one thing that always makes me panic when, as a customer, is yes, making sure that my email doesn't disappear into the ether. So the capacity for uh, an auto response to send you a tracking number or an ID number, or like a Jira issue ID, uh, is always just a huge comfort. Knowing that at any point in time, if you need to, uh, you can just sort of refer back to an original email that you've sent. And assuming there's a proper system on the back end, <clears throat> that there's automatic capability to find out where your email went, what was inside of it, who's looking at it, if there is a case which uh, is is always reassuring when when you're when you need something. Uh, and actually, that was a big part of the article. The, one of the first things that that article talked about was the simple act of letting a customer know, "Hey, we've got it. We're going to be on this soon." Is huge. And I think some of the improvements to Jira Service Desk have made that really easy for project level administrators to own that sort of process. Yeah, I'm really excited about the email improvements in Jira Service Desk that provides the same sort of front-end template editing uh, that you can do with JEMH and um, email this issue and, and whatnot. It doesn't go to the same level as Script Runner, which lets you, as Eric was saying, pull in information from other sources and really do some, some cool stuff with it. Um, and it's one of those things that you do have to have Jira Service Desk. So if you want this type of email templating and you have Jira Core or Jira Software, uh, then 
you know, script runner is going to be a, a less expensive and a, and a better way to do that. But having an in-service desk, it's a nice interface. It gives you a good way to, to modify this, to build it in with the automation tools and service desk. And uh, we're actually at Adaptivist, we're working on a, a course working with your service desk where there's a whole module on the email stuff because it's something I'm passionate about. And it's, it's, I think it's really helpful stuff because you can't get away from email notifications. Like having that, that pop up and tell you this is a thing that need, we need to look at. Um, people use email. It's, it's not going away. But we can be doing a better job with it. And service desk, you know, that, that new um, email functionality helps give us some of those tools for, for working with our customers, whether they're internal or external. So I'm excited that we're going to um, have quite a bit of focus on that in the new working with Jira service desk course. All right, guys. So last question, what can Atlassian do to help their customers improve the email experience? Um, that would be very simple. Uh, provide an actual built-in template editor. That would be step one. Uh, and facilitate the creation of new email templates. Um, by and large, that's one thing that you've, get, you've got some add-ons which will allow you to edit your own templates inside, but it's hard to generate new ones. Um, and say, for example, you want to create new uh, events inside of Jira Confluence that will fire off uh, different custom templates. It's something that you can do with add-ons, but it, uh, the way I see it, it's something that should be doable or available out of the box. Uh, whether or not it actually needs to be supported is a whole other matter, but the feature in itself would be extremely welcome. I had a similar thought. Um, I think having some some templates that you can download and install, like you can you can get Jira workflow bundles off the Atlassian marketplace. And people design workflows that comply with ITIL or comply with other processes that you could just download and install into your Jira instance. And that's super helpful. How cool would it be for somebody to create these really pretty templates, like things that are super nice and you could just swap out an image or this type of thing. You know, think about like WordPress themes, you know, where it's just a free theme. Here's our free email template or even a template bundle you pay for. And we sell it through the marketplace and you can swap in your logos or do whatever. That would be killer. It'd be very, very nice. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode. Do you have an idea for a future podcast or would you like to be a guest? Email us at learn at adaptivist.com. You want to come and work with a bunch of Atlassian email experts and professional adaptive, <laughs> professional Atlassian consultants? Visit professional Jira, podcasters. Professional podcasters. <laughs> Visit us at joinadaptivist.com. So for Eric LeMay and Matthew Stubblefield, I'm Ryan Spilkin. Thanks for hanging out with us on Adaptivist Live. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Again, I should remind you, Ryan, we won't actually see them because it is a podcast. No, but we feel their presence through the... We don't even hear them. They, they hear us. They're we, not our viewers. <laughs> we don't get anything out of this, really.